Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad to have you here. Welcome all of you joining us online. My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here. If I haven't met you, glad to have you watching and glad to have all of us gathered together here in the room. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that the Lord is with us. That when we gather together to worship him, to, to sing to him, to pray to him, to listen for his spirit speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus, we, we believe that he meets us here, right where we live, right in the middle of whatever's going on. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, thank you. Uh, there, there's no way that we could have uh, gotten ourselves to where you are. So thank you for coming to where we are. Thank you for coming to our brokenness, into our darkness, into the mess that we have made of the, of the world you've given us to, to shine your light, to bring your wholeness, to, to make things right, uh, starting on the inside of us and working its way out. So God, please today, would you help us to be open to you? Would you help us to, uh, to be willing to say yes to you, to finally recognize that, that you're God, you're in charge, and we, we really aren't. <laughs> God, you know that uh, for many of us, it's been a long journey of trying to do things on our own, trying to run our own lives and sometimes trying to run other people's lives. And, and God, we just consistently make a mess of it. And so we come today uh, acknowledging our need of you and recognizing that, God, we need your help. We need you to direct us. We need you to forgive us. We need you to, to give us wisdom and strength. So please, God, help us to be open to you and all you want to say to us and do in us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Good morning.
2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities than that the power of Christ may become rest upon me. Dear Lord, in my weakness, I rely on you. In my infirmities, I boast in your strength. I couldn't do this alone. I survive this only due to your strength. Thank you. 
mercy was revealed. What tenderness and peace my faith was surely sealed until he rescued me. His pardon for my sin, his bounty for my need from slavery and chains. Amen. I invite you to join me in prayer this morning. God, we are so, so thankful that you, you cannot be contained. The glory of Jesus, Lord, cannot, cannot be put into a box. It cannot be brought down to our level because you are so, so much bigger than anything we could ever even begin to imagine and begin to fathom. I thank you, Father, for being that God. I thank you, Jesus, for being the Savior who would come to this earth. That the grave could not hold you and death was not the final answer because of your resurrection and your redeeming work through that. 
Father, how, how great a sacrifice that was for us, for me. None of us were worthy. And yet, out of your great love and grace and mercy for us, Lord, you came knowing that death would never contain you, knowing that the grave could never hold you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for dying, and thank you for that resurrection and the power through that resurrection that we can know today through the Holy Spirit. What an awesome thing to begin to try to grasp, Lord, in our humanity and in our, in our finiteness. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for being with us through this week. Lord, there have been some really great things that have happened this week. We, we anticipate great things coming up this next week. Many of us are looking forward to the things that you are doing in our lives and just the, the blessings that you have bestowed on us for the opportunities that we have to serve you in school and at work and in our neighborhoods and our communities. We thank you, Lord, for those opportunities. But Lord, you are also walking with us this next week and in the weeks to come through the difficult things that we have to do. Through the trials, through the challenges, through the temptations, through the, the muck and mire sometimes of just living life in the world that we live in, sometimes we have no choice but to depend solely and completely and desperately on you, Lord. I thank you that you are a God that can be depended on, that you have promised us you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, you are never going to abandon us, even if it feels like it sometimes, Lord. We give you thanks and glory this morning for each person here, for each person online with us, for each person who will join us later through our, our, the broadcast, Lord. I ask that you would bless each one, that you would speak to each one this morning, that all of us would open our ears and our hearts to hear what you have to say through the message that you've given Pastor Rich this morning. We thank you again. We praise you and honor you, and we can never do that enough. And for all this and in all this, we pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. All right. Let me say a quick word to all of you who are watching online. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we would love to have you just kind of check in with us. Leave us a comment. Let us know you're watching or you're participating this morning. Hopefully you're not just watching, just sitting back passively, but actually, you know, engaging in the service, singing along wherever you are. Who knows? Um, but yeah, leave us a comment on YouTube or Facebook or go to livinghope.info slash connect and uh, fill out one of those little online connect cards just so we can know that you're with us and so we can be praying for you, thanking God with you. And same goes for all of you here in the room. Obviously, you can do that if you'd like, or you can just grab one of those little green cards back there and drop it in the offering box. And uh, that way you can share with us any comments you have or questions you might have, something you want to get involved with that, uh, that you want more information about, that sort of thing. And uh, if you're giving today, you can just drop that in the box as well, or you can give online. That works. And uh, we are extremely grateful to all of you who... Uh, who give of your time, your energy, your resources uh, to make this church go. It would not happen if not for all of you who um, 
who use your gifts and who plug away and who make things go week in, week out, uh, day in, day out. So thank you. Thank you for all the different ways that you're a part of this church. Uh, we are incredibly grateful. Um, let's see. I was going to say something else. Uh, hmm, our birthday is coming up, uh, September 17th, just a few weeks away. And uh, if you would like to bring some food for the party, we don't have like a sheet to have you say like, oh, I'm bringing this or I'm bringing that. That would be a great way to use one of those little green cards. All right. Or that little uh, livinghope.info slash connect. Say, you know what? I'll bring this to the party. All right. So we're going to provide uh, meats and we'll grill, you know, hot dogs and, and, bur and burgers. And if you want brats, I guess speak up and let us know. We can put some brats on there. Um, but uh, every other, everything else, all the little side things, if you want to bring some side dish or whatever, uh, you know, we'll have drinks too, uh, just to make sure you guys don't bring anything crazy. Um, but if you want to bring some side dish to share, uh, let us know. Just say like, hey, I'm, I'm bringing this. Put it on a card, drop it in the box, and then that way we'll know. And if we have like five people all say, I'm bringing potato salad, we can reach out to you and say, hey, we got five of you bringing potato salad. Is, is there like something else you'd like to make? Or, you know, we can follow up that way. Usually it's not been a problem. You guys bring a variety of different things, and uh, it should be a fun day. Also, uh, I've... I've heard that a couple of you are interested in getting baptized, and that might be a fun day to do that. If you'd like to get baptized on our birthday last year, uh, we baptized, uh, baptized Bill. Bill's still sitting in here? Where'd he go? Anyway, baptized, baptized Bill last year in the middle of our uh, birthday party out here in the grass. And uh, if you would like to get baptized that day, let me know. I'd love to talk with you about getting baptized. So, all right. Um, I feel, oh, I was going to mention, too, uh, kids' Bible quizzing is just about to start. Uh, so not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday uh, is going to be the first night for kids' Bible quizzing. It's for kids from, I think, kindergarten through sixth grade or something like that, fifth grade, sixth grade, something, something along those lines. So uh, our kids are finally going to participate this year, it looks like. And uh, if you would like to participate as well, I know there's going to be a brief meeting back in the elementary room between the services today uh, for parents who want to know more. Uh, if you'd like to know more because you've got a kid or a grandkid that you think might want to be a part of it. Uh, you can join us for that in between the services or just let us know and we'll get the information to you. But that'll be on Wednesday nights uh, starting September whatever that is, September 6th at 530. So um, that's a fun program and it's one of the things that I know I did when I was a little kid and it's one of the first ways that I started to memorize scripture, started to kind of get big chunks of the Bible uh, into my head in terms of, uh, you know, what is the story of Scripture? And, and that's what we're trying to do this year is to help you get some of the story of the Bible into your head. Uh, we started in January with Genesis. We're going to end in Revelation, the end of the book, in December. And in between, we've been kind of hitting highlights along the way. And uh, this month, we've been in the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that all four tell the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And, and uh, this is kind of his summary statement you've got there in your notes. In Matthew chapter 4, he says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was this teacher who taught with authority, who helped us understand what it means to, to build a life on his teachings, uh, not just by hearing them, but by actually doing them actually being obedient to him, that this builds a life that is solid, uh, that doesn't crumble when the storms of life come. And last week, we looked at how Jesus has authority not just to teach us, but authority over evil spirits, authority over disease. He went around healing people, and, and uh, he still does that today. Um, we still invite God to heal, and then we have to trust in that mystery of his will and, and submit to him, uh, trusting in him because sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does miraculous things. Sometimes he works through ordinary means of doctors and medicine and all of that. Um, and sometimes he just he gives us the grace to endure in a way that even then is a testimony to the people around us of his faithfulness and of the, the strength that he provides. 
Uh, today, uh, we're looking at the image that uh, perhaps conveys the most of this idea of authority, and that's that he's the king, right? He's bringing the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God with himself as the king. And uh, to get us into that a little bit, this is going to seem like a little sideways direction, I think. But, uh, you know, Jesus comes as a very different kind of king. And the Bible Project has a video on what it means that Jesus is the son of man. It's the image that Jesus, is the label that Jesus uses for himself over and over again. And uh, so it's like a five-minute video we're going to watch. And it gets us right where I want us to go this morning. So let's watch. If you read the New Testament, you'll notice that the most common title people use to describe Jesus is the Christ, that is, the Messiah. But surprisingly, Jesus almost never used that word to describe himself. Instead, he called himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man. What does that mean? Well, the phrase comes from an important chapter in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was an Israelite prisoner of war who was forced to live in the empire of Babylon and work for the prideful, violent king who destroyed his home. That sounds horrible. And while he was living and working in Babylon, Daniel had this crazy prophetic dream. You ready for it? I'm ready. He saw four beasts crawling out of a dark sea, hybrid monster-like animals, each scarier than the one before. And the fourth beast is so mutant, there's nothing to compare it to. And it's violent, leaving death and destruction in its wake. What in the world is this about? Well, he's told that these beasts symbolize violent, prideful kings and their empires. Oh, like the one Daniel's enslaved to. Yeah, and these creatures might seem random to you, but these images are developing an important biblical theme. How humans are these remarkable creatures capable of doing great good and horrible evil. How we can behave like animals. Right. Look at the first pages of the Bible. God creates the beasts of the field and humans together, all from the dust. But then the humans are set apart and given a royal task of being God's image. So humans are like the animals, but called to become much more. Yeah, they're to be God's representatives on earth, ruling on his behalf, like kings and queens. But keep reading, and the humans are deceived by a beast who says that they could be more than just God's partners. Yeah, that they could rule the world on their own terms, which sounds good to them. But God knows this will be a disaster. And so he expels the humans to the realm of the beasts. The partnership is lost. But God makes a promise that one day a human will be born who won't give in to the beast. Rather, he'll overcome and strike the beast while being struck by it. Okay, so for the rest of the biblical story, we're waiting for that human. But instead, in story after story, we find people acting like beasts. Yeah, like in the next story about Cain, who's jealous and angry at his brother Abel. God warns Cain that he's facing a beastly urge called sin, a dark, mysterious kind of evil that consumes humans. But God says that Cain can rule the beast if he chooses. But he doesn't rule the beast. He lets this urge devour him, and he becomes a beast. And then after this, Cain's children spread their animal-like violence, and it leads to the founding of a whole civilization known for its beastly pride, the city of Babylon. Okay, Babylon. So fast forward, this is where Daniel is enslaved, having this bizarro dream. Exactly. Now, watch what happens next in Daniel's dream. He sees into God's throne room where a court is set up, and God condemns the beast to destruction. That's great. And then Daniel sees that there's actually more than one divine throne. Oh, right, the throne that humanity left behind. Right. There hasn't been a human who's able to overcome the beast and rule alongside God 
until now. Daniel sees a figure called the Son of Man, which means a human. And he rides on a cloud up into God's presence and then sits down on the divine throne to rule the world. The partnership's renewed. Yes, and even more, all humanity worships and serves this Son of Man alongside God. Oh, worship? So this is no ordinary human. This is like a God human. Exactly. And so now you can see why Jesus of Nazareth, when he came onto the scene centuries later, chose this title, the Son of Man, for himself. He was claiming to be that truly human one on a mission to confront the beast. He was tempted to seize power on the beast's terms. But unlike every human before him, Jesus resisted the urge. And then he went about banishing the beast from people's lives. And he was teaching people how to rule the beast instead of being ruled by it. Okay, so how do you rule the beast? Well, Jesus did it by giving up his life. Wait, rule the beast by dying? Yes. When Jesus was on trial in a human courtroom and being condemned to death, he said, from this moment on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at God's right hand and coming on the clouds. But this is the moment he's about to die. Exactly. From one perspective, the cross looks like a beastly torture device, but Jesus viewed it as his throne. And on this throne, he exposed the subhuman nature of our evil by letting it do its worst, and then he overcame it with his divine life and love. Jesus' execution was his exaltation. So Jesus is the first human to overcome the beast, and as a result, he can partner with God to rule the world. And so now, Jesus is summoning a new humanity into existence, one that can overcome the beast in the same paradoxical way. To rule the beast by dying. And then by discovering that Jesus' life and power can become our life and power. So we can rule the world as God's partners, but Jesus-style, in the power of service, humility, and self-giving love. Yeah, ruling Jesus-style. Um, so that's where we're going today, all right? This idea that Jesus is king, but a very different kind of king, and that's the model for us as well. Now, this idea of Jesus, uh, if you've been reading Matthew, uh, as I've encouraged you to, each month we just do one book of the Bible, because you give plenty of time to read that book of the Bible, to dig into it, uh, to find things you find interesting. And uh, If you've read Matthew, you see Jesus over and over again referring to himself as the Son of Man, like in this story in Matthew chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Saying, you know, talking about himself, who, who do people say that I am? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, Peter is finally recognizing something that we've known from the beginning of the book. Because in, right in verse 1 of Matthew's Gospel, he says, this is the, the family line of, of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, and so, uh, so Peter's real, recognizing this in the story. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Peter means rock, all right? So he's, given, he's giving Peter his nickname here. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He's like, we're, we're keeping this under wraps for now, but yes, you got it. 
Yes. And on this rock, on this understanding of who I am, on this confession and trust in me, I'm going to build my church, and it's going to be unstoppable. The gates, the, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, they won't be able to stop the church from busting people out of that prison uh, of death. Um, this is, you know, you, you've got the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know, we're, we're going to do this, right? Uh, talk about having power and having authority. I'm sure the disciples were excited, right? I mean, we've got a, we've got a winning strategy here. We've got a winning team. We know the enemy can't defeat us. Let's win this thing. You know, they're probably excited to get out there and do it. And the very next verse says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Not exactly the direction they were hoping to go, right? So it's no wonder that Peter, it says, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, just, just a few verses earlier, you know, yes, you've got it. You've been talking to my heavenly father. You know the truth. And yes, you're a rock. Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He's saying God is looking at this whole project one way, and you are looking at it a very different way. Just the same way that everybody else, humans, Look at it. You don't have God's perspective on what we're doing here, which I think is true for many of us. <laughs> then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And, you know, in case you're tempted to think like, oh, yeah, take up a cross, you know, yeah, like, like the one I've got on my necklace or something, you know, like, like the, the one I use on my, wear on my lapel or the one I put on my bumper, you know, the cross like a symbol of belonging to Jesus. No, he's, he's speaking of it in terms of ro the Roman execution device, right? Take up your cross, follow me, we're headed to death. If, in case there was any confusion, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man, again himself, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Perplexing little idea there, especially for those of us who know the story and how it goes. Uh, following this, some of you who are standing here won't taste death before they see, before you see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. I was uh, really, um, well, let's see. I, I like to listen to other pastors, right? Um, if you guys get to listen to me, I don't get to listen to me. It's not the same thing, all right? I can listen to me, but it's, it's different. Anyway, so I like listening to other pastors and getting their take on things. And it was a couple of weeks ago that I heard one of the pastors in my headphones. Uh, talking about this idea and uh, this idea of pick up your cross and follow me and and uh, and he he looked at it in terms of just like well I'm trying to help us figure out well, what would that look like today you know what would that look like for me to take up my cross and follow Jesus you know I'm probably not going to go get in front of a firing squad or I'm probably not going to be executed by the government you know for following Jesus so what would that look like and and he put it in terms of just asking ourselves well so this week when you come into some moment of conflict with another person, uh, whether it's something major or something minor. So what would it look like? Just imagine, what would it look like for me to, to lose? To let myself lose, to let the other person win. 
which is essentially what Jesus does, right? He, he lets evil win. What would it look like for me to lose, to let the other person win? And it might be as simple as something like, you know, you're in line for, uh, for food or you're in line at the grocery store, or, you know, and, and somebody walks up and like, wait, and they, they say they were there first, and you know they weren't, right? You know you were there before they were, and uh, we almost faced this last night as we were out at the little uh, uh, respite house benefit concert. You know, we're waiting in line for food, and, and we're standing there looking at it, and a woman walks up and kind of stands next to us just a little bit closer to the thing than we were. We're like, yeah, I wonder what's going on here. Where, where's this going to go? And, uh, and when the woman, you know, taking the orders, looked up and said, okay, who's next? I'm like, I just turned and said, oh, I'm not sure. Was it us or you? And she just says, oh, no, it was you. You know, I was like, that's right. It was us. Okay. You know, so and we ordered our food. Uh, <clears throat> but what would it look like if she had said, like, uh, no, it was me. Like, you know, oh, I think it was me. For us to, you know, like, be okay with losing would be to graciously, I suppose, hopefully, say, yeah, go ahead. You know, you're right. Go ahead. Um, rather than say, oh, no, we were here first and, you know, fight for our spot in line. What would it look like for me to lose? Maybe it's not something so minor. Maybe it's something much bigger. A, a conflict with family over an inheritance or, or uh, I don't know, what, whatever kinds of things you might be facing. What would it look like to, to lose, to willingly lose? To, you could assert your authority, your rightness. You could assert yourself in that circumstance or Maybe taking up your cross and following Jesus looks like letting someone else win. It's been an interesting question for me to, to noodle around uh, lately. So now I'm putting it in your brains, and you can, you can noodle on it too. So uh, <clears throat> Jesus gives some examples uh, of this uh, to his disciples. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, there's a moment where two of them come to, uh, actually, I think they send their mom to talk to Jesus for them. It's kind of embarrassing, but, uh, but they, they come to Jesus asking, like, hey, when you come in your kingdom, uh, and she says, can my, can my boys sit on your right and your left when you come in your kingdom, which would be like places of honor. And Jesus is like, oh, you don't know what you're asking, and uh, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? And they're like, yeah, we can, whatever, whatever it takes. And he says, well, that's great, and you will, but it's not mine to decide who gets those places. That's up to my Heavenly Father. And when the other disciples hear about this request, that they're trying to exalt themselves and jump to the front of the line, they're all ticked off. Because I don't know if they felt like, like, no, that should be my spot. What are you talking about, your spot? No way. He called me first. No, please. You know, you never listen. I'm always doing what he asked me. Yeah, I don't know what kind of argument ensued. I just know they were upset. And so Jesus calls them together and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And so again, he's telling them, I'm, I'm thinking again of what he says to, to Simon Peter, you know, get behind me, you're a stumbling block. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He's, he's telling his disciples, look, you're used to looking at authority and, and, you know, kingship and all of this in one way, just like the Gentiles do. They lord it over their subordinates and they exercise their authority in ways that, you know, their subordinates hate and all of this. And you've probably had a boss that's been like that at some point, right? You, you know what this looks like. He says, yeah, you're not going to be like that. No, whoever wants to be greatest is going to serve. You're going to be like me. I didn't come to, to be served and have people serve me. I came to serve and to give my life for others. He's trying to help them and help us have in mind 
the things of God, to have a divine perspective on what it means to have authority. It doesn't mean you, you uh, exalt yourself. It means you humble yourself. It doesn't mean you force others to do your bidding. It means you find ways to, to serve them. And, you know, all kinds of examples that we could look at, political leaders. You know, I know some of you just, that's your whole take on any elected officials. Like, you know, let's just get the government out of the way. They're just in our way. They're always, you know, um, you know put, putting us down and, and uh, treading on us or whatever. Um, but political leaders aren't the only ones. I, I was thinking about the military coup in Niger that we've been hearing about in the last few weeks, you know, that... Um, Sometimes it's military leaders who exercise their authority. Sometimes it's just rich and powerful people who just push other people around. Or even religious leaders, you know, who, who seem to enjoy pushing people around or domineering or dominating people as if they're in charge somehow. Uh, Jesus, as you may have noticed on uh, other, other occasions, he, uh, he is not a big fan of the religious leaders of his day. Um, in Matthew 23, he says to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. It's like they, they're instructing you, and they're sharing with you what, you know, what the law is. So yes, do, do what they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. He says they got the right words, they got the scriptures, but they're not living up to what those scriptures intend. He says everything they do is done for people to see. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi if you have one teacher. Rabbi means teacher. And you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father if you have one father. He's in heaven. And using father obviously is like an honorific title kind of thing, right? Not saying you can't call your dad father. Nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. He's saying a sim- similar thing he said earlier, but now using religious leaders as a negative example. He's like, don't be like those Gentile political military leaders, and don't be like your religious leaders. He's basically saying, be like me. Be willing to humble yourself. Be willing to serve. Um, I mentioned before how, how odd it is that sometimes this podcast I'll listen to on Sunday, it comes out on Sunday mornings, and it's like, well, that connects right with what we're planning to talk about today. And this morning, they were talking about uh, people who uh, blame others or give credit to others, and, and I wish I'd had time to put together a little diagram they described for me, but uh, they were talking about thanking and blaming, and, and they said that you could, like, like, if you made a little square, you know, and on one axis is me and you, and the other axis is, like, credit and blame, that, like, if something goes right, you know, I can claim all the credit and like brag about myself, like, oh, look what I did. Or I can give you the credit and thank you, you know, for all that you've done. And thank you for the role that you played in helping make this, you know, victory possible, whatever it is. And if things go poorly, well, I could own that and apologize and say, oh, I'm, you know, we didn't, we didn't accomplish our goal. And let me apologize for the way I didn't lead us well or whatever. Or I can push that onto you and blame you. And man, if you had done your job better, then maybe we would have accomplished that goal, right? Um, it's an interesting little, little thought there. I was thinking, yeah, what Jesus is saying is, like, we're not going to be the kind of people who lift ourselves up, who take all the credit. And Jesus just isn't that leader. That's not what he does. He, he continually gives the, the credit to God and lifts up others. He's not the kind of person who's looking for 
honor at the banquets and the most important seats and doing things for others to see. He's humbled himself. He's not looking for credit, not looking for applause. He's just looking to do what his heavenly father knows needs to be done. And so as the story of Jesus continues, and we, we usually talk about this as we approach Easter every year, right? We, we hit Palm Sunday, and we celebrate that day that Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. And he's been telling his disciples, as we just read, hey, I'm going to go there. There's going to be conflict. I'm going to die. And he rides into Jerusalem with the adoring crowds waving the palm branches saying, hail to the, the king, the, the son of David, he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then he, the whole week he doesn't act like the king they expect, like the Messiah they expect, and by the end of the week, the crowds have turned, and he has willingly submitted himself to his father's will, and he's allowed himself to lose. The, the religious leaders grab him, take him captive, and they, they put him on a little trial. Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And he basically says, well, yeah, you say so. Like, ah, blasphemy, hand him over to the Romans. They give him to the Romans, and, and Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And he says, well, you said so. And Pilate's not quite so eager, but eventually he gives in to the, the demands of the crowds and he hands him over to be crucified. And, and we read in Matthew 27, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him, like a royal robe, and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they'd mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. And when eventually they had gotten to the place of crucifixion and lifted him up, they had placed a sign above his head where normally they would say, this is the crime this person is guilty of. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. As the Bible Project guy said in the video, he he saw the cross as his throne, an unusual throne. And I believe this is what he was referring to earlier when he said, Truly I tell you, some standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is him coming in his kingdom. This is him being enthroned and recognized publicly as king of the Jews, but it's a very different kind of throne and a very different kind of king. Jesus doesn't come to, to rule, to push people around, to exercise authorities. He comes to serve and to give his life as a ransom for you and for me. He, uh, he overcomes evil by refusing to play evil's game. By, by refusing to play the game of this world and saying, oh, you want me to be in charge? I'll show you who's in charge. It's me, buddy, and here come the angels. You know, he just, he refuses to play that game. And it's the same choice that we get to make each and every day. When we're confronted by evil, when we're confronted by, you know, an opportunity to lose, <laughs> do we play the game, or do we follow Jesus? Do we do what he taught us to do? And love not just our neighbors and our friends, but to love even our enemies. Do we allow the, the authority, the power of God to flow through our lives as we submit ourselves to him, as we trust him and follow him wherever he leads us? Jesus set the example for us. He refused to play evil's game, and because he did, he didn't stay dead in that grave. 
But sure enough, on that third day, when they showed up at the tomb, if you read Matthew's gospel, they all tell the story differently. It's interesting, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there's always an angel. There's always something going on. But uh, in Matthew's gospel, it's like there's an earthquake. And an angel shows up and rolls away the, the stone and sits on it and just announces to the people who come, to the women who've come to, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers who are there guarding the tomb, they all like fall down like they're dead. And uh, they're terrified. And, uh, and announces to the women, he's not here, he's alive. Go tell his disciples. And they do. And the disciples meet with him. And we have, he ends his whole gospel with these words. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We, we see that played out in the book we're going to look at this next week. We're going to start on the book of Acts next week. If you want to get a head start, you can. Um, we see that play out as they begin to spread out over the whole uh, Roman world. Uh, and as Jesus does go with them, the Spirit of Christ goes, goes with them. Um, but I just want to emphasize the little thing that he says, go and make disciples. Make, make disciples, people who are learning from me, people who are living as my apprentices, people who are, are looking to me as the example. You know, and teach them to obey just like you are obeying. Just like you have learned from me how to live in this world in a way that exemplifies service. You go and help others learn to live in this world as, as my disciples, as people who will serve. This is the king who we give our allegiance to. And, and we show by our lives, uh, we show by our lives where our allegiance lies. In the decisions that we make each and every day, uh, we show, okay, am I playing by the world's rules or am I looking at things from God's perspective? Uh, does Jesus have my allegiance or does the economic system or political system or family system or whatever other system I might be involved, does that have my allegiance? Am I going to play by those rules or am I going to play by the rules that Jesus sets up? Am I going to live life as a servant like Jesus did, like he modeled for us, like he invites us to live? Will we choose to lose or we keep playing the game, or we insist on winning. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads, and let's pray. Uh, uh, God, as the stories in Matthew's gospel uh, tell us, and as we know from personal experience, this, this, uh, this goes against our instincts, this, this life of loving enemies, of, of serving people who uh, kind of haven't earned that from us. God, this, this, it rubs us the wrong way until you change us. As your Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out, as you help us to, to not have in mind just human concerns, but to have in mind the, the things of God, as you help us to see things from your perspective and to see the people around us from your perspective, God, you, you begin to make it possible for us to truly love and serve. To not just go with the way the world does in terms of who's important and who's not and who deserves respect and who doesn't and, and who should we listen to and who should we ignore. God, you, you help us to look at the people around us very differently and the role that we get to play. You help us to see that differently too. 
So help us, Lord Jesus, to, to be like you, to follow in your footsteps, to not uh, use whatever authority or power that you share with us to demand our own way or to get our own way, but to do just like you did, to, to share that power, to share that goodness, to share that love. Jesus, you did this. Your earliest followers learned to do this by your Spirit's help, and the world was changed. God, would you help us in our world today, in the families that we live in, and the schools, the workplaces, the neighborhoods, the, all the places where you send us. Would you help us to live like Jesus, not demanding our own way, but humbly serving and loving and extending grace to those who don't deserve grace. None of us deserve grace, God, but you have been gracious to us and so now we have a chance to be gracious to others. Would you help us, God, to forgive others like you've forgiven us, to love others like you've loved us, to serve them like you have served us? God, I believe if you will help us to do this, if we, if we will cooperate with you, if we will live this way in the world, that our worlds will be changed. And we will see beautiful things. We'll see the beauty of life the way you created us to live it. Thank you, God, once again, for not waiting until we got this all figured out to come to us. But instead, you came right into the midst of our mess in your son, Jesus Christ. And we celebrate this today with the sacrament of Holy Communion, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice. God, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might... Meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Remembering the kind of king that you are. Remembering the way that you gave your life as a ransom for each one of us here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We offer you ourselves today. I mean, what else are we going to do? You're in charge. God, it all, it all belongs to you. And so we're just acknowledging that by, by saying, yep, and I belong to you too, God. We, we offer ourselves to you, acknowledging our need of your mercy and grace, confessing to you our sins, the ways that we have not loved you with all that we are, have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, God, for being so gracious to us. Thank you. That when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The ugliness of our sin does not stick to us, God, because you have washed us clean. Thank you. Thank you for this love. Thank you for this grace. Help us today to receive it well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be up here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the, the little pieces of pita bread or the round gluten-free wafers. Or we've got some of the little cups if you need one of those. Uh, and if you can't make your way forward uh, or choose not to, we've got some of those cups on the tables. And as we sing, you can peel it back and get to the bread and, and get to the juice. And um, this celebration is open for all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, there's not a single one of us who is excluded from his table. He invites all of us to come to him to receive mercy and grace and to celebrate this amazing love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate. Thank you, God, for the amazing love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? 
yet you did. You gave your life to set us free from sin, death, the devil. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your resurrection power with us today so that we can live in this world as your, as your free people, free to love, free to extend grace, free to let others win. Today, I pray that you would fill us with the spirit of Christ, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and your daughters. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.